Hey there, everyone, and thank you all for joining us for our webinar today. My name is Stephanie Baskerville. I am the content writer here at ProServe IT, and I'm going to be your webinar co-host today. I'd like to welcome you to this webinar where we're going to be actually answering some of the more frequently asked questions or virtual desktop infrastructure and Windows virtual desktop specifically. Uh, we've got some great content. We're going to um, you know, get into it in a second, but uh, before I do, I want to obviously introduce my co-host here on the line with me. Bill Kastner is one of our amazing solutions architects here at ProServe IT, and he does have a specialization in Microsoft Azure. So Bill, it is a absolute pleasure to be on the call with you today. Thanks, Steph. It's great to talk to you again, and especially we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, Windows Virtual Desktop. So <laughs> There we go. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So, Bill, let's chat a little bit about Windows Virtual Desktop, uh, sorry, Virtual Desktop Infrastructure, also known as VDI, and just what exactly is it? Sure. You got to love the three-letter acronyms. So, VDI is, a, to your point, Virtual Desktop Infrastructure. So, it really is what it sounds like. It's providing a virtual desktop to users. Typically, that, that desktop is cloud-based, although it can also be hosted in an on-prem environment. But rather than having users leverage the, the hardware that sits in front of them, be it a desktop or a laptop or whatever that may be, they're basically using that as an endpoint to connect into a virtualized desktop infrastructure. Um, so the benefit really is to, to provide sort of a, a consistent end user experience, provide a whole lot of functionality um, without having to worry so much about what that endpoint physically that you're sitting in front of looks like or, or is performing like. Mm, okay. And so how does that like connectivity work then? Like how does someone connect to a virtual desktop infrastructure um, platform or, or, or things like that? So you've got a couple different ways in which you can manage that. And it really comes down to what the, the physical device in front of you is. Um, so with Microsoft's incarnation of VDI, which is Windows Virtual Desktop or WVD, um, you have the ability to leverage either a feature rich client or leverage uh, a web browser. So with WVD specifically, we have the ability to leverage any HTML5 client. Um, we also have full rich clients for things like Windows, Macs, iOS, and Android. Um, HTML5 will work on all those devices as well as as long, excuse me, as well as many Linux-based devices. So how you get in really comes down to what your endpoint is and what the capabilities are that you're looking for. Gotcha, gotcha. And one of the, th the types of VDI that you just mentioned there was Windows Virtual Desktop or WVD. Again, those lovely three letter acronyms. Um, <laughs> so what are some of the benefits then of WVD uh, for organizations and like why should organizations be considering uh, Windows Virtual Desktop? Sure. Um, so as I alluded to or, or mentioned, really the, the key benefits are that it allows you to provide that consistent end user experience in a secure and controlled fashion. Um, so typically when users are working from a traditional desktop, um, you know, in many cases they have administrative access to their PC, you know, they have the ability to install and manage software. Um, you know, if they're working on different client server based applications, the, the client is typically installed on their physical desktop or, or laptop. You know, the way we work today where many people are working remote, that means that client is sitting in their, their home environment with them and they're connecting into their corporate infrastructure to be able to access those servers. Mm -hmm. uh, with a VDI or, or WVD solution, basically your, your physical endpoint is just an entryway into that virtual desktop. And so because you're doing that, you have the benefit that the client that you're running often will sit in the same um, data center as, as the applications themselves. So if you have a client server application where you need that quick back and forth connectivity, um, you know, with a, a WVD style solution, 
you know, assuming your infrastructure is hosted in Azure, for instance, your client is in Azure, your server is in Azure, it allows for very quick connectivity and quick responses, which means that the user has a positive end user experience. Mm. We also have the ability to secure that. Um, so whether we, whether we leverage things like uh, multi-factor authentication or conditional access, we can build rule sets around who has access to this environment and what sort of challenge response we want to enable to allow them access. Uh, similarly, because it is a virtual desktop, you you don't have the same risks of, of data leakage. Right? Mm. So typically for a user who's working from their home PC, they'd often be VPNing into their office, accessing all those corporate resources. Um, theoretically, they have the ability to pull that data down to the local device and manipulate it or, or, or do whatever they want to do with it. In a VDI style solution, um, because everything is contained within that Azure data, users are just getting essentially screen refreshes. All the data that users working from sits inside of Azure. Um, so there's really no opportunity for users to be able to pull that information to their local PC unless you want to enable that function. Um, so no. uh, bottom line, it's again, consistent end user experience and a secure means that no longer depends on what that endpoint looks like. You know, you don't need to worry about things like a beefy desktop or it doesn't matter if you're running Windows or Mac. You know, all these things become irrelevant because the physical device, again, is just an endpoint to get you into WBD, and then that experience is going to be consistent across the board. Okay, that's fantastic. So um, it sounds to me like, so I, I've I kind of heard that the term uh, desktop as a service sort of bandied around uh, recently. So so it, um, it sounds to me like like WVD is, is an example of desktop as a service, but what exactly is that desktop as a service and sort of some of the, the typical costs that might be associated with that or that people could expect to see with that kind of solution? Sure. Yeah. So today we see a lot of things that are as a service, right? Infrastructure mm -hmm. as a service, platform as a service, desktop as a service, sort of the, the same equivalency where we're providing a cloud-based desktop um, platform. So you're right. So WBD is a great example of that. Um, it's basically providing that, that cloud solution. So regardless of where users are coming in from, they're accessing that cloud resource. Um, it, it allows you to, to provide and deliver that, that virtual desktop to any device from anywhere. So it's really a, the intent mm. of a desktop as a service. When we look at costing, there's really uh, two different components to that. One is a licensing component. So many organizations might already have licensing in place. Uh, really, it comes down to, you know, if you've already invested in the Microsoft 365 ecosystem, um, you know, you might already have uh, taken advantage of Microsoft 365 licensing, which is typically Office 365, Windows 10, and the Enterprise Mobility and Security, or EMS suite. If you have that license, you're fully licensed for this. Similarly, for organizations that only have Office 365, really the only additional license you require is the Windows 10 Enterprise subscription. Um, it is important to note that, you know, just because you have Windows 10 on your desktops in the office today, or maybe you're licensed through, uh, you know, an enterprise agreement or uh, through software assurance and such, those don't count for WBD you do need to actually look at a subscription-based uh, licensing model for Microsoft. So again, either that Windows 10 Enterprise monthly subscription or the M365 or Microsoft 365 license. The benefit of this type of a model is it does give you a ton of flexibility. Uh, because you're not buying a license outright and owning in perpetuity, here you're basically paying a month-by-month -month subscription cost based off of the users you actually have. Um, so if, you're if your user counts go up, you can add additional licenses. If your user counts go down, you can drop the number of licenses that you have. So it gives you a ton of flexibility in how you manage that. Mm. The other side is Azure consumption. 
so because these are virtual desktops that are running in that Azure environment, um, you're basically looking to pay for the CPU memory and storage consumption of those virtual machines as they run. Oh. One of the nice things that WBD allows you to do is to auto scale the environment. So it allows you to scale up and scale down based off of needs. Um, so, you know, many organizations have dealt with other VDI style solutions, whether it's Microsoft's remote desktop services or, or solutions from Citrix or VMware. You know, those traditional on-prem solutions, you're typically running 24 by 7. Um, and if you were to move them into Azure, those costs would continue. You'd, you'd be paying to have those that infrastructure running 24 by 7, regardless of how many users are actively using it. With WBD in Azure, we have the ability to scale up and scale down on an as-needed basis. So you can actually define what your core business hours are. Typically, you know, for an organization, it might be Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. You can run the infrastructure during that peak period. And then outside of those peak hours, you shut down the infrastructure that you don't need. You might leave a single WVD host up and running to support users on off-peak hours. Um, and then you're only paying for that one VM as it runs. Mm. Um, so consumption can consumption is absolutely something that needs to sort of be figured out um, because there are ways to optimize and reduce what that overall consumption cost is going to look like. Um, as with many solutions, actual costs for that are going to vary based off of the customer needs. Um, we have the ability to build WBD solutions for multiple use types, whether it's light users who might just use Office on a regular basis throughout the day, to those who might use uh, more, you know, as I mentioned before, cl traditional client server type applications that might have higher resource costs on the endpoint, um, up through users who use things like AutoCAD and other engineering type applications. Each of these different application types are supported in WBD, but they all have unique requirements you know, will help determine how many users we can stack on a given VM. Because uh, that's a, an important component of, of WBD as well, um, which I think I failed to mention sort of under the benefits section is the way WBD is designed is it allows you to stack multiple users or multiple sessions on a given desktop. Mm. Um, so where with a traditional desktop that you have in front of you, it's that one-to-one -one ratio. You as a user are sitting in front of your desktop and you're the sole user on that. With VDI style solutions, you're typically looking to stack many users on one particular desktop. Uh, because often what we find is users are only consuming a portion of the resources that the desktop has available. And so we're, you know, it can be an inefficient solution. Leveraging WVD allows us to stack users where you could have five, 10, or, or 20 users, if they're light users, working on one desktop and all sharing resources. Um, so mm -hmm. You know, looking at the types of workloads that we have along with the the makeup of the users that are going to access it will help dictate what the costs for that consumption are going to be. But it often works out to, um, you know, it could be a couple dollars a user a month, depending on the configuration. Uh, but there's really no set dollar amount for that consumption. Like I said, there's a lot of variability based off of the customer's uh, specific requirements and needs. Gotcha. So, so you, you've touched on a couple things there. So, so it sounds to me like maybe we can actually sort of dive into a little bit of like what would be a use case for. And I know where I'm going off script here, but um, what would be like a use case then? Like, what kind of a scenario where where Windows Virtual Desktop would be that kind of solution? Like you're saying, multiple users and things like that. I mean, my mind immediately went to maybe like a, a manufacturing setting or. Um, you know, a setting where where you know people aren't generally in front of computers all the time, um, but obviously, like that's not always the case. So, what are some of the other potential opportunities for WVD? Yeah, sure. So, there's a couple that come to mind. Um, so, 
you know, we're seeing this, you know, across all range of businesses. So we're seeing this with really small businesses up to, you know, medium and, and, enter, and enterprise uh, based customers. You know, so we've seen use cases. Uh, again, you know, a great example is with where we sit today, where we see a lot of remote use. Um, you know, we're supporting customers who have single applications, something like QuickBooks, as, as an example, where you only have a couple users who need to access it. You know, in many cases, these users are not working from a physical office anymore. They're working from home. Um, and so we've had customers ask us to build small scale solutions to support the, the two or three QuickBook users that they might need to have uh, to, again, provide a consistent end user experience, allow those users to operate in a, in a seamless fashion um, and, and ensure that it's still secure. So we, this scale is down really, really small. Similarly, if you have users who work remote um, on a regular basis and you don't want to have to either provide them desktop, uh, you know, a new desktop or laptop solution, or you have a remote workforce or maybe third-party contractors, you know, mm -hmm. any of these types of scenarios where either you don't want to have to supply hardware or follow a standard hardware refresh cycle. Um, all of those can be great examples. You know, typically with a with a desktop, uh, you know, many many organizations refresh desktops every three years. Um, you know, some are more every four or five, but often we see a sort of a three-year refresh cycle. And the reason for that is, you know, as users' needs evolve and you know over time, you want to ensure that the desktop that they have in front of them is going to keep up with their requirements, right? So maybe it needs a faster mm -hmm. processor or, or more memory or, or more storage or whatever the case may be. By leveraging a, a WVD or, or VDI style solution, you can often extend the lifespan of, of that hardware quite a bit further because you don't really care what the configuration of that machine is anymore. You don't care how much memory it has or how fast the processor is because it's really just a gateway into your virtual infrastructure. Um, so we see organizations that are now, instead of following a standard refresh cycle, they're looking at, you know, we'll let that laptop run until it dies. And when it dies, we'll look to replace it then. Maybe that's three years, maybe that's five years, maybe it's seven years or even longer. Mm. But because it's really just a gateway into your virtual desktop, you no longer are so concerned. There's no longer user data that's being stored on that endpoint that you need to worry about backing up and managing. Um, mm. And like I said, you don't worry about performance. The other scenario that we're seeing is you know, organizations that have users who want to be able to leverage personal devices. Um, and that's often a, a risk or a concern for businesses. You don't want to allow somebody's personal uh, you know, desktop device, for instance, to access your corporate network. Um, typically because that device is not managed by IT, you know, you can't be assured that that device is patched consistently, that antivirus is up to date, that there's no uh, malware or anything on that device. It becomes far harder when IT doesn't own that resource mm -hmm. and often doesn't want to manage that resource. Um, you know, there's really no inherent benefit other than securing your network. Uh, but now you're taking on responsibility for somebody's personal device, and that's never ideal. Mm -hmm. So looking at a solution like WVD, um, like I said, in that scenario, your endpoint doesn't matter. It can be somebody's home machine with their teenage kids installing whatever they want on it, you don't really care because it's just an endpoint. You're either leveraging the remote desktop client or the, your web browser to access your corporate resources. Everything is self-contained in the cloud and whatever's running on that endpoint becomes academic. It doesn't really matter. Awesome. Um, another use case that we see are mobile workers. Um, so, you know, salespeople who are out in the field or, or other types, um, you know, that, maybe they're engineering people or uh, manufacturing to your point, but people who work out in the field and might not want to use a traditional desktop or laptop, you probably wouldn't use a desktop in the field, more laptop, <laughs> but maybe they want to leverage, you know, a, a mobile device like a phone or an iPad or an Android device. Mm -hmm. 
WVD again gives them the flexibility to do that. You have the option with, with uh, most VDI solutions and definitely with WVD, either to publish full desktops or just publish specific applications. Oh. So if you have somebody like a field engineer who's out working at, at remote sites consistently, and maybe they just need to access a single application, uh, you do have the ability to publish that application as a standalone entity. They can work on their iPad, they can bring that application up, they can enter the data that they need, maybe it's site visits, maybe just recording notes for particular um, you know, interviews or whatever that case may be. But in this case, you don't care what that endpoint is. You can allow the user to, to work on whatever's comfortable for them and whatever they best feel meets their, their individual needs, while again, providing that consistent, secure solution. So there's really a wide range of use cases. Um, you know, many customers mm -hmm. have talked to us, come to us and said, you know what, I'm I'm struggling with 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 X, right? I don't have a good use case or a good way to address this need. Um, WVD can often step in and support that, especially as I mentioned, you know, given the the state we're in, you know, from a pandemic mm -hmm. perspective, where we've we're supporting a wide range of users working from home and often mm -hmm. supporting a bunch of use cases that might not have been um, planned for or anticipated. Uh, you know, prior to this event, WBD is a quick and easy solution that can often be implemented in just a couple days in some instances, depending on, again on scale and size. Uh, but it provides a really quick and easy means to provide users access to the applications they need to be effective uh, without a whole lot of complex infrastructure or, or large capital investments to buy net new infrastructure to support those use cases. Mm, okay. Awesome. So, um, you know, you've mentioned obviously, you know, the the current state that we're in, the pandemic and things like that. So, you know, that kind of and and even remote working as well. Like, you know, if and when all of this kind of settles down to a new normal, you know, there's probably going to be a lot more of this remote working or this remote, you know, work from anywhere solution. So, are are there ways that you can kind of like are the location restrictions so that you're not like you know taking WVD out of the country when you're not supposed to be or are, are there things like that in place that you can you can kind of um, restrict who and when sorry who and where has access um, to VDI or, or Windows Virtual Desktop? Yep, absolutely. Um, so you do have the ability through conditional access to basically define rules on where users are permitted to access the data from. Um, so if you only want users to access from your corporate office or from certain geographic locations, you can define that. I will say uh, geographic um, definitions can be challenging at times to implement effectively. Um, but there are other security measures you can put in place as well. Mm -hmm. Things like multi-factor authentication and other things to still provide a secure means into that environment um, without necessarily restricting physical locality. Um, you can put some of those in, in place. Again, often, you know, let's say you want to block specific country regions, for example. You know, often there are clearly defined subnets for that region that you can set exclusions against. It does become a little more, more tricky and cumbersome to sort of manage. Um, and so we will often find other mechanisms to provide, uh, to provide the security that organizations need. But you do have a good deal of flexibility in the, the roles, or sorry, rules that you define on who can access and when and what that experience is like um, and mm. you know what security measures you want to put in place for that given criteria. Okay. And so what about like um, if your organization has like guest users, for example, like do, does does WVD support this? Like how did how does that work? So not really. Um, you know, we have had customers ask, you know, they they might already have their own Office 365 tenant 
Um, they might even be licensed with either with Microsoft 365 licensing or that Windows 10 subscription license in their tenant. But because they have a partner organization or they subcontract to another organization or they have a sister company that has their own tenant that might run Windows Virtual Desktop, you know, the question is, can we they, they leverage the existing licenses that they have? And the short answer is no. Um, mm. The way WVD is structured is it does tie into Azure Active Directory and the on-prem Active Directory uh, for authentication. So basically, when users access the environment, they log in with Azure Active Directory credentials, but the desktops themselves actually bind themselves to Active Directory, so they're domain-joined machines. All of that really needs to be self-contained within, within a single environment. Um, so even though you might have the same license entitlements in your own organization, you do need to be a licensed user within the, the tenant that hosts WVD to be able to access it. Um, so that can be a little bit of a challenge because it, it can mean that there's duplicate licensing required. Like I said, maybe you're a Microsoft 365 license in your own environment, but you're accessing WVD in you know, a parent company's environment that's self-contained. You would need to be a, a registered user in that environment with all the appropriate licensing applied to be able to access that. So unfortunately, at this point, there's no way to to leverage existing existing license entitlements. Um, you do require mm -hmm. an, a, the correct licensing and account information in the tenant that actually hosts the the Windows Virtual Desktop infrastructure. Fair enough. Fair enough for sure. So um, you know how then. Um, we, we talked a little bit about sort of the idea that your your content is no longer sitting on a machine. It's it's sort of back like it's in the cloud somewhere. It's it's I'm, I'm, I guess backed up or whatever. But like, how does Windows Virtual Desktop then handle something like backups? Because I know that, for example, especially with a security situation, you know, you want to make sure that you have an act like a, a backup of everything just in case you have to fail over to that backup, for example. So does is that like is that capable in, in WVD? I'm, I'm... So there's a couple of things to keep in mind with Windows Virtual Desktop. Um, so the way that the infrastructure is designed, you do have, as I said, your multi-session desktop. So again, it might be a single Windows, uh, Windows 10 virtual machine. It might have you know, 5, 10, 20 users are running on that, that given machine. Um, the way WVD is structured, all the user data is typically stored outside of the VM in a separate VHD or image file. Um, so Microsoft has leveraged a toolset from FSLogic that basically allows you to encapsulate all of your user information and store it externally, typically on a file share or in Azure storage. Um, so when we look at backup for Windows Virtual Desktop as a service, um, there's a couple different pieces that come into play. One, because they are still Windows 10 desktops at the end of the day, um, you manage them and, and, and support them the same way you do any other desktop. They still need to be patched. They still need antivirus installed. Um, you can still run you know, your traditional backup jobs. So whether you're leveraging Azure Backup or a third-party backup solution, you can back these desktops up the same way. Because all your user profile data, which is the really unique data that's specific to the users, is typically stored in a separate location, again, that's more what you want to be backing up on a consistent basis because the desktops, the way they're designed, they're really just the Windows OS and potentially applications. Yeah, depending on how you have applications configured, because those could actually be external to the image themselves as well. Mm -hmm. um, but so you can run traditional backup jobs for WVD. So you're backing up that, that desktop image. So as you update applications or add new applications to that image, you do have a backup of that available to you. Um, but the core of what you're really most concerned about on a day-to-day -day basis is that user data. And as I said, that's either going to sit in a, another server in Azure or Azure Storage. And again, you're going to treat that exactly the same way with Azure Backup or another solution. 
Um, you can also leverage things like Azure Site Recovery to replicate this to, you know, to a second Azure location. You can leverage snapshotting um, if you want to, you know, protect yourselves that way. So you have a bunch of different mechanisms available to you. Uh, but it is important to note, like I said, that you know, even though we are running a multi-session desktop, uh, at the end of the day, this is just a Windows 10 desktop. It has some cool new features, but it's the same Windows 10 desktop that we've all known and, and supported for years. So all the same mechanisms you have to support desktops today, all of them also apply to WVD, including backup solutions. Awesome. 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 Well, this has been fantastic, Bill. Thank you so much. This has been really, really cool to kind of understand a little bit more about Windows Virtual Desktop and, and VDI solutions uh, in general. And uh, I do want to uh, thank you very much for your time and for, for joining me on the line here today. Um, folks, if you're interested in uh, Windows Virtual Desktop, and actually maybe, Bill, I'll, I'll ask you, I'll put you on the spot here and ask you a little bit about our, our, our Windows Virtual Desktop proof of concept. Um, we do actually offer this as, uh, you know, um, an opportunity for people to explore Windows Virtual Desktop before they 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 implement it in their entire organization. Why don't we chat a little bit about that before we just wrap up here? Yeah, sure. So to your point, so we do have a, a proof of concept offering available um, that you know can quickly get customers up and running with a WBD instance inside of their environment. Um, I think it is important to note because I realized as I talked through sort of all the other questions, I was very Azure focused on the conversation. WVD does need to run in Azure. There's no way to run it on-prem. That being said, if you as, a, as an organization have not transitioned or journeyed into Azure at all, that is by no means a roadblock. Um, so we will establish site-to-site -site connectivity to your on-prem environment. You can access all those uh, all the server resources you have on-prem while you know leveraging the desktop in Azure. So yeah, I want to make sure that, that everybody understands that. You don't need to have made the journey to Azure to be able to leverage WVD. Um, we can support you where you are today, absolutely. But the proof of concept is designed to stand up a minimal infrastructure for WVD, give you the ability to actually test what that experience is like. And that's especially important if you haven't journeyed to Azure yet, because you know if your infrastructure is sitting in Azure, it's going to be a positive end user experience, right? Your, your server infrastructure and your desktop are sitting side by side. It's going to be seamless and it's going to be great. If your infrastructure is sitting on-prem um, and it's a client server type application where we need that connectivity back to on-premise, there's variability in there, right? Based off of, you know, your bandwidth availability and, you know, utilization on the network and things like that. So this is a fantastic opportunity to put a minimal infrastructure in place, test what it's like in your actual environment, get a feel for what management is like, get a feel for what the end user experience is like, um, and just make sure that it's actually a good fit for the organization uh, before mm -hmm. you make any larger investments. This is fantastic for organizations that are looking to you know, either dip their toe in the water of Azure or looking at a, a better solution to address the remote worker needs, which again, pretty much everybody does today. Um, so the proof of concept is a quick and easy solution. It's a couple days to sort of stand the infrastructure up and get you to a point to start testing and just determine the viability for your specific business uh, use case. Awesome. So folks, if you are interested again in, in that offer, um, you can email us at cloud at proservit.com. We will also be emailing you a, a bit of a follow-up email after this uh, webinar so that we can make sure that we're um, providing you with a one-pager on that and make sure that you have the, the information that you need to decide whether or not that is the, the right step for you. So I am going to say um, that this is kind of wrapping up our, our, uh, our, our webinar today, and I want to thank everybody for, for watching with us, and I want to thank you, Bill, for, for being on the line 
line with me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, especially around WVD, because I do know how passionate you are about it. Yep. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> I really appreciate your time and thanks so much. And we will uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing everybody in the next video that we do or thanks webinar, so. I guess, the next webinar that we do. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, Bill. Thank you.